morning. I got somewhere I want to go, and I want to get there. I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to get there. Okay, somebody say grace. grace. I'm going to ask you, anybody know what grace is? Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Let me give you our simple definition. Let's see the next slide. This, here's our simple definition. We're going to all read it, okay? Grace is, everybody, God giving us good things we don't deserve. Woohoo! Hallelujah. I, I do like that sometimes at home, and Shelly just jumps. <laughs> but if I'm just thinking, woo, hallelujah. Tatum, we were singing that song, and it says, my debt has been paid, and something was exploding inside of me. And I thought, wait a minute. How many of you, if you ever had an automobile, and you paid, 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 and paid the automobile off? Anybody? Can, I raise, can you raise your hand? Got a few? One, two, three, six, ten. How did you feel when it got paid off? Woo! Come on, everybody. Woo! Now, you know, how about a house? Have you ever paid and 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 paid off your house? Anybody have got anybody got a home paid off? Homes paid off? Home paid off? Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah! What does that feel like? I want to know what that feels like. And then when, when, Jesus, when Jesus paid our debt and she said, our debt has been paid, I was just going to go and, yeah! I don't know, but that gets me excited. Amen. I'm just, look, the church, this church, this ministry owes nothing but the building payment. Now listen, when this building gets paid off for, we are going to say our debt has been paid, and we're all going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. I mean, I can be excited, you know, when I can't talk about Minnesota being any good at football because we were the top three in the bottom. So, Alabama, can I talk about Alabama? No OSU people won't stone me today. When a team wins a championship, think about how they feel. Everything they've worked hard for, everything they've done, everything they've gone after, the sacrifice that they've made, then it paid off for a championship. And you're thinking, well, sometimes you can, you can actually have one of those rings made if you've got about $20,000. You can have a championship ring made. But everything under the law, we couldn't achieve the righteousness of God. We had to be good enough, do the right things, say the right things. That's under the law. But when we come into grace, God giving us good things we didn't deserve. How many of you know grace is Jesus Christ? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We didn't earn what he's given us. You can't pay enough money. You can't give enough money. You can't build enough buildings. You can't cover enough playgrounds. You can't do any of these things to be able to earn what God has given us freely through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that gives me excited. Hallelujah. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, get excited. <laughs> Come on, tell them, get, that is, you know what? Well, I didn't earn. I didn't earn. I didn't deserve what Jesus did for me. You don't understand. I'm a mess. But then Jesus came into my life. 
And he turned my mess into a message. Woo, hallelujah. Turned my mess into a message. And he's turned your mess into a message. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. amen. So every day we are under God's grace, his undeserved, unmerited favor. Him pouring good things out on us that we didn't deserve. I didn't deserve Jesus to die for me. I didn't deserve it. But yet he did. And how does that make me feel? My debt's been paid. Say that. My debt's been paid. And you've got to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, you've got to get in him. Because he's paid for your debt. He's just waiting on you to come to him. So let's talk a little bit about grace. Let's talk a little bit about the law, all right? What I want to do, Romans 6, 14. Everybody there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say I'm not. And then let's go to Romans 6, 14. It's page number 1766. Romans 6, 14. Did I say 16, 14? I'm sorry, 6, 14. Everybody there? Everybody there? If you're not there, look at the screen. Let's say it together, all right? Ready? Read. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Say it again. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, for you are under grace. Let's say it again. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, you are under grace. God's goodness, He has given us that we didn't deserve, we didn't earn it. That is the grace of God. So we're going to begin to walk in that grace. How many of you know we need to be more conscious of His grace? I think if we're more conscious of His grace and less conscious of your sin, grace wins. Hello? Because if you're under the law, you're going to be sin conscious. If you're under the grace of God, you'll be gracious conscious. You'll be, you'll be righteousness conscious. And Paul says this in Romans. He says, when you set your mind on things of the Spirit, you'll have what the Spirit desires. When you set your minds on things of the flesh or carnal or of the law, then you're going to have what the law desires. So how many of you know, I'm under grace? Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm under grace. Amen. I'm going to give you an example here in just a few minutes about the UPS lady. Remind me about the UPS lady if I go get going and I forget her, all right? Okay, Philippians 2.13. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I want us to look at something. We need to be more conscious of God's supply. How many of you have been more conscious of God's supply than you were a year ago? Amen. God's got a way. Say, God's got a way. There is supply. There's a supply. There's a supply coming. We talked about that last week. The supply, the supply of God. God has a way. He is bringing supplies. He's bringing water in the dry land. He's bringing rain upon this ground. Can I get an amen? All right. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we see all the time that Jesus operated by the grace of God. We see Jesus, he operated by the grace of God. Jesus operated by the grace of God. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. He said, this God, the Philippians says, for it is God, say God, working in who? It's working in me. God's working in me. So God is working in me. 
All right? So God is in you. So when you come to a believer of Jesus Christ, we can put that little video on. We're going to come to a believer of Jesus Christ, then God goes to work in you. Say, God in me. Say, God is working in me. He's working in you to do what? To supply you to fulfill His grace, His goodness. Let's check this video out. I want want us to see this about the stethoscope. Can you dim the lights? Pretty cool, huh? What is this? You're telling me that today that people gave 1596 for the playground. should have gave that after me after I preached. I won't be worth nothing now. (laughs) Thank you. Come on, let's give him some more praise in the house. Thank you, Father. If you could put that stethoscope on my heart right now, you'd probably hear that. So God is in you working out His goodwill, His purpose, His pleasure. God is in you working those things out. And that was an example of that. And that was 
Let's turn to Philippians 4.19. We talked a little bit about God's grace. We've talked a little bit about His supply. Say, God has supply. What? You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Philippians 4.19, I think this scripture is going to be real to all of us today. It says, and my God will supply just a little bit. My God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. He will supply. Say supply. Come on, tell somebody. Say, I got supply. Say, God's supplying my supply. (laughs) He's supplying your supply. That word supply literally means in the the Greek, playro. P-L-A-Y-R-O-O. And it it means to finish or it means to complete. To finish or complete. What is it in our lives that we don't think there's supply to finish or complete? then we need to look at this scripture and say, my God will play role, finish to completion all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's the same thing as Matthew 5.17. You you don't turn there. Let me just read Matthew 5.17. Matthew 5.17. Don't think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. That word... Plero is the same Greek word in Matthew 5.17 as it is in Philippians 4.19. It means to supply or to furnish or to bring complete. It's the same. There's, a, there's another word in Corinthians chapter 2.19. It talks about the joints being every joint being supplied. It supplies. That's a different Greek word. That, that Greek word literally means to furnish. It also means to fully supply. Say fully supply. So he says every joint. So when the body of Christ, every joint supplies. Every I want to look at it as an organ. Christ is the head, right? We're going to look at a body. Christ is the head, right? Everybody agreed? Scripture says Christ is the head. He's the head. We are the body, all right? But then there's different congregations. There's, you know, the First Baptist and the Methodist and the Pentecostal and the Charismatics and the Independents and all these other different, you are with me? We're all part of the body of Christ. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that's your brother and sister. We need to start treating people that way. You can get it very big. I got a, I got an oh my on that one instead of a hallelujah. We need to start treating people as brothers and sisters in the Lord. So just like I've got a liver, just like I've got kidneys, there are different organs. I look at Living Word Fellowship as being a different organ in the body of Christ. Amen. So it's all, it's all important. It all comes together. So the word supply literally means to complete. It literally means to furnish, to fully furnish. It means to furnish in a way that you have an abundance. Say abundance. Okay, so let's take a look at... I want to take a look at some slides on law over grace, okay? So it is God who, is, who is, has, has given us what? The ability to make wealth. Deuteronomy 8:18 says God is giving you the ability, the power to create wealth, not for yourself but to establish his covenant. Deuteronomy 8:18. Okay? That's another thing. Say God will supply. 
So if God's going to supply, then we've got to look at some differences between law and grace. So I want to look at some things under the Old Testament law very quickly, and I want to look under the New Testament of grace. How many of you know we live in the New Testament? When we have people come to Christ, I'm like, look, read the New Testament before you get in the Old Testament, because you get in that Old Testament, it'll mess you up. Okay? So let's take a look at some things. Let's, Let's real quick. First of all, in the Old Testament law, you can see manna, right? Manna. He gave manna, the children of Israel, they got what? Manna. In the New Testament, we've got what? Bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anybody like bread? Whew, I like bread, especially on a missions trip, amen? <laughs> Went to Africa, and I kind of didn't want to eat some of the stuff they had, but if they got bread and butter, I'm good. I can eat some bread and butter, okay? So we, under the Old Testament, the law brings death, but under the New Testament, it brings life. Say life. You can see some of this. Then the, under the Old Testament, the law itself. Now, you understand there was God's grace before in the Old Testament, before the law. There was God's grace. Abraham operated in God's grace. The Israelites operated in God's grace before the law came. That's, and I, this is a whole other message. I don't know why I'm going there, but maybe God wants us to go there. But when they walked in the wilderness, they operated in God's grace. Then the laws came and things changed. Hello? So the law brings condemnation. How many of you know grace is there's what? No condemnation. Say no condemnation. Okay? The, 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 under the Old Testament, the law, it demands perfection. It demands something of you. The law, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not you know, commit adultery. It has a demand on you. We can't fulfill that. So anyways, let's look at this. Grace imparts perfection or supplies perfection. The law de- uh, demands punishment. If you messed up under law, you did, you're punished. You're punished. That's it. If you under God's grace, how many of you know love God's forgiveness? <laughs> Come on, anybody experience God's forgiveness? That's kind of like his debt's been paid. I'm like, whoo, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. The other thing is under the law, it disqualifies you. You can be disqualified because you didn't fulfill the law, so you are disqualified where under grace you automatically qualify. Oh, come on, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. You know why you qualify? Vernon, you don't qualify because how good you are. You qualify because Jesus qualifies you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Under the law, it demands. Under the grace, it supplies. The law is written on what? Stone. Where's the new covenant, the New Testament written? On our hearts, on man's heart. That's right. Stones. Next slide. Let's look at some more law and grace. Law was by Moses. Grace came by Jesus. Law, you had to earn favor. You just do enough, good enough. If you're good enough, you'll just earn the favor of God. Where grace, again, it's your unearned, undeserved favor of God. Are you with me? So when you look at grace, it's unearned favor. We receive His favor because we didn't earn it. Under the law, there's no justification. There's no justification under the law, but under God's grace, there is justification. The law exposes your sin. It's like the mirror that we showed you, that you look at the mirror and you can see all your wrinkles and, you know, your triple chin and all that other stuff that I got going on. I can see all that stuff, but it doesn't do anything to correct any of that. It points it out to you, shows you what the problems are, but it doesn't do anything to correct it. But how many of you know grace does? So under grace, you have justification. Under grace, it takes away your sin. Under grace, you move from a religion to a relationship. And I want you to focus on relationship because that's what it's about. It's not about a religion. 
Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And Living Word Fellowship is not about a religion. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Do we have an order? Yes. Do there are certain things? Absolutely. There are some things like that to take place. But we want you to hear from the voice of the Lord and then operate in that voice of the Lord and be obedient to Him. Amen? Because that's about that relationship. And the law, Mount Sinai. Did you know that in the law, when Moses brought down the law, do you know how many people were killed? 3,000. Say 3,000. Moses brought down the law, and the people were already disobedient to the law. And Jackie, there were 3,000 people died, didn't there? Now, let, let's, let's look at the other say. Say God's grace. Let's talk about God's grace. God's grace, what we do now see, is on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the city four square. Mount Zion is you. You are Mount Zion. Come on, somebody. Cave Zion? You Mount Zion, baby. <laughs> or Cole Zion, I'm sorry. Cole Zion, right? Or is it Cade? Okay, I knew one of you boys was a Zion. You know what I'm saying? That is you. That is you in these things. So Zion itself, what happened in the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came. How many people got saved? Coincidence? Mm. Maybe it's a picture of God saying, under the law, there's death. But under God's grace, there is life. 3,000 people got saved. There's a law empowers sin, but under grace, it powers you. It powers you. Law, you're achieving righteousness, but under grace, you are what? Don't you have to receive Christ? Come on. We receive His goodness, we receive His grace, we receive what He did on the cross for us, on the, at the Calvary. Are you with me? We receive righteousness. I've got one more slide, Sean, I want to go over real quickly. The, the law basically is under the Mosaic history. If you look at grace, it's under Messiah history. Okay? You can operate in the Mosaic law under that history and read that and operate in that, or let's operate in the Messiah's history. The law is under the Aaronic, Aaronic priesthood okay Aaron was the priesthood the priesthood was there that was there if you study that priesthood you'll see all the different things under the law for that but how many of you know the because of in Hebrews talks about the order of Mechizedek Mechizedek was in the Old Testament everybody know that Mechizedek was in the Old Testament was he before the law or after the law before he was the priest that Abraham brought a tenth to are you with me so that's where we get our tithing from. He was before the law, so it was carried through the cross, and Jesus operates under the Mechizedek priesthood, so that's where your tithe is. You know, we can, you can call it a tithe, you can call it whatever you want to, but the thing that you got to know is that there is that same thing that operates through the cross, through Jesus. So when you look at the Mechizedek priesthood, that is Jesus. See, when you're actually giving your tithe, your tenth, you're, you're, you might say, well, I'm, I'm giving it to the church. Really, we're giving it to Jesus to do the works that he wants to do to help promote the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? The gospel of grace. The gospel Gospel just literally means good news. Say good news. Come on, tell your name. Say, I got some good news. I got some good news. Your debt's been paid. <laughs> Is that good news? <laughs> Is that good news today? Say, my debt's been paid. Tell your neighbor, say, your debt's been paid. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? No, no, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay it. He's paid it. Jesus has paid it. So we can look at the priest's atonement or we can look at Christ's atonement. That's the good news. Christ has atoned for us. Something that we couldn't do under the law. Christ has done for us. 
Hallelujah. Let's take a minute and just thank the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Under the law, you could pay, you could have your debts paid once a year. Actually, uh, I'm not going to go in, Jackie, into the sin offering. But the sin offering, you would, you would actually come to the priest and, and you'd bring an, an animal, a lamb, and he would inspect it and he would actually lay hands on that and let that thing go. Are you with me? And, and, and you, you would actually be forgiven of your sin. But the nation of Israel would come under a, a, a day of atonement where the, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year for the sins of the nation of Israel. But I got news for you today. It just seems like my debt has been paid. Seems to be the theme today. Jesus came in and once and for all made atonement for you. You don't come to me to make atonement for you. He's already made the atonement for you. The nation of Israel would send in a priest and they'd tie a rope on his leg and he'd go into the Holy of Holies and they had bells on there. You know why he had bells on there? Because they didn't know under the power and the presence of God that that dude would fall out. They had to have a rope because people couldn't go in and get him. They'd go in in the power and the presence of God, they'd be dead. So they put a rope so they could pull that sucker back out. I don't know if history-wise has any of them that have died in there. <laughs> I haven't studied that out, Sean. Maybe you <laughs> some of that out. But I wouldn't want to be one to go in there with bells and, and, and a rope tied to my leg and just fall out. And they're like, wait a minute, I don't hear the priest moving. No bells. Rope's not moving. Let's drag him out. How many of you know you don't have to worry about dragging somebody out? You don't have to worry about going in because Jesus went in. Jesus went in and shed his blood for the atonement of our sin. My debt has been paid. Let me tell you, my debt has been paid. Let me tell you, your debt has been paid. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say amen or something. How's your mom or something? So the Old Testament law, there was no life in the law. It wasn't fun. What was Danny Silk said? IRS? IRS is not fun. There's no love at the IRS is what he said. There's no love. You either just pay it or you don't, and there's no love. How about under grace, abundant life? Isn't there abundant life under grace? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to me but by the Father, but through, through, through the Father, but through me. Covenant of works. can't see that word works real well, but, it, then, but under the law, it's the covenant of works. But how many of you know it's under God's grace that we're in right now? The law is cold. Remember stone? What's stone? Stone's hard. It's cold. A stone's impersonable. Are you with me? But not Jesus. Jesus is warm, gentle, inviting and personal so the purpose of the law was this the purpose of the law was very simply to expose sin the purpose of the law was to show you you had sin in your life and that you needed a savior that you couldn't do it in and of yourself oh come on somebody are you hearing me today you couldn't do it in and of yourself there is nothing that you could do to be so good to be able to earn God's love his respect his honor when Jesus Christ shed his blood for me then that is what provided me to come into the holy of holies and have a personal relationship with a true loving God he loves me no matter where I'm at what I'm doing what I'm going through come on somebody that is the Lord of 
Lord and the King of Kings has done that for you. Woo! He did that for who? He did that for me. Come on, tell somebody, say, he did it for me. No, not Ross, he did it for me. He did it for me. He did it for me. Little old me. Little old me. He did it for me. Amen? So I want to I I give you a couple things that I want you to study real quick. I think I've got some examples of law versus grace. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Let me say that again. Once you begin to see it, you won't be able to unsee it. When Jesus, you know what Jesus' biggest rub against the Pharisees were? was because he was operating in grace and the Pharisees were trying to get him to operate in the law. Okay, here's some things. The adulterous woman, oh, the Pharisee and the publican, Zacchaeus' conversion, law and prophets, not far from the kingdom, Jerusalem council, Peter's vision, rich young, young, young ruler. I got about three to five minutes. I want to talk about one of those. Which one do you all want me to talk about? Who? Number two. Number two, the public and the Pharisee. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Everybody there? Verses 9 through 14. I want us to look for law in this. Look for law and look for His grace. And He also told this to some people who trusted in themselves that they were <laughs> verse 9 and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous know anybody that's trusting themselves that they are righteous is that law or grace come on everybody is it law or grace if you think you're righteous by what you've done you're operating in the law if you think you're righteous by what you can do and will do you're operating in the law we are only righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. Is this is it what he's talking about in this parable? So actually, would you say that he's got this parable about this law? And this person, this guy, these people, viewed others with contempt. Then he goes on and says this. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other tax collector. When you hear the word Pharisee, guess what he's talking about? He's talking about the law. Well, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisee. How many of you know? Paul said, I'm the worst of the worst. I was a Pharisee of Pharisee, but when I met Jesus Christ, something changed. Now I'm not operating as a Pharisee. I'm operating as a child of the Most High God. There's a difference. Tell your neighbor, say, there's a difference. Okay, real quickly. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Oh, my gosh. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You think he's operating in law or grace? He says, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes. If you look at some... Uh, some history behind it. In the temple, there was an open area, and this Pharisee came into the very middle of the temple. So he came into the very middle of the temple. Do you think everybody noticed? Absolutely. He came into the very middle of the temple, and he began to pray. And he's like, I'm glad I'm not like these other people. Oh, like that tax collector over there. So the tax collector didn't come in and want to be noticed. 
the tax collector came into the corner of the temple and just entered in. And he began to pray. Let's look at the scripture real quick. It says right here, he says, the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes up to heaven. But he was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see the difference between law and grace? The Pharisee was acting as a Pharisee. I'm holier than thou. Anybody ever tell you that? You give your life to Christ. I don't care how humble you are. Somebody going to say, oh, you just think you're all that now, don't you? Don't they? The Pharisee was operating in the law. In fact, not only was he operating in the law, he was judging himself and calling himself better than those other people. Come on, somebody. How many of you know outside the kingdom of God, you can measure each other and compare each other, but inside the kingdom of God, there is everybody is a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo! You know, we might be in a different position being, you know, pastors or associate pastors or prophets or evangelists or teachers or whatever it might be, but in the kingdom of heaven, God's government is love. Do you think the Pharisee had some love for the, for the tax collector? No, he didn't have some love for him. In fact, he was trying to put him down. He was putting him down, looking at that and saying, I'm glad I'm not like him. And the tax collector came in humble. He was like, look, Lord. You mean tax collectors? Listen, tax collectors are modern-day mafia. Hey, who's who's Al Capone just walked into the sanctuary over there? You with me? Modern-day mafia. They would take your money. You owe so much taxes. It's a dollar, but I want 10. That's not fair. Talk to Vito. Vito. They would get you. They would throw you in jail. It would be under. Are you with me? So you can begin to start seeing these things. So I just want to leave those rest of the scriptures for you to read over. There's more of those. I started as I was reading yesterday throughout the day. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's another one. 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 And I kept writing them down. So we'll just expand on them. And I'd like for us to go through. Maybe we could read some more of these. So you can begin to see. Do you see the Pharisee? What was the Pharisee operating in? law because jesus said he said here's some people that think they're righteous because of what they've done how how would it be in the temple that if you weren't allowed in because you were poor i'm sorry your sins can't be forgiven how much money you got oh you don't have enough you'll have to stay in the outer court sorry come back later do you imagine what people, that was, that was what Martin Luther in, 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 his, in the thesis that he nailed on the church at Wittenberg was about. They were saying, wait a minute, you can't pay. It's not, it's not right to pay. If you're rich or poor, you still should have access to the same God. And it doesn't matter what economic, socio background you come from or have been in. We all have the same access to the loving Christ himself. He shed his blood for all of us, male, female, big, little, short, small, Jew, Gentile, Greek. He shed his blood for the Mormons. He shed his blood for the, for the, 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 the Islam people. You know what I mean? What are they? What are they? Muslim, there you go. Sorry, I forgot that one. Who just dropped out of my head. The Muslim people. He shed his blood for everybody. Oh, come on, somebody. That's the amazing thing. Susan, will you play? You guys just stand to your feet a moment. Because what we want to understand is that we've got to operate by God's grace. Say, God's goodness. Say, God is good to me. 
And then we say, God is good, and you say, all the time. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. God is not looking at you. He's not mad at you. He's not going to be pointing some things out to you and say, you know what? You need to get this act together. I'm telling you, God loves you conditionally, uh, unconditionally where you are at. It's the love of God that brings a man to repentance. The Pharisee was caught in the law looking and judging that other tax collector over there. And how many of you know God is in control? Come on, somebody. He's got to have complete control of you. Let him have control of you. Let him have all of it. Let him have all of it. Let him have all of it. If you're here today and you might say, well, you know what? I've been operating in the law. Let's get out of the law. Let's get into God's grace. Let's step out and let's not mix this thing. Let's step into what God has for us. You know, the parable, if you'll read through law and grace and you'll read the parable about the new wine, that you can't put old wine into a new wineskin. Literally, you can't take the things of the Old Covenant and put them into the New Covenant. Because the things of the Old Covenant are actually in it. Through Christ, Christ has fulfilled the law, so the law is in Christ. Hello? And grace doesn't give you the right to sin. In fact, it supersedes the law that say you now operate by a higher level because it's called grace. Say grace. Grace. He's not talking about a sloppy, greasy grace. He's talking about the grace of God that comes in our lives. That when we look at that, and I live for Christ in all my being because I am so thankful of what he's done for me, I don't have to worry about fulfilling the law. Guess what I will fulfill? It'll automatically be done. There it is. It'll be fulfilled. Because I'm wanting to live a life honoring him. So when we talk about grace, it's not less than the law. It's actually greater than There's actually greater requirements as we live and operate in grace, but there's freedom in grace. There's freedom in grace. You know why? Because if I mess up, I have an advocate with the Father. I have somebody that's already said, Dad, I got it covered. Got it covered. Got it covered. Got it covered, Dad. No problem. Got it. I got it. I got it, Papa. Got it. Got it covered. And it's that grace of God. Let me ask you today, have you been operating in the law? Have we been stuck in the law? Have we been judging the law? Have we been like the Pharisee that's come and prayed and say, Oh, I'm glad I'm looking good today because that person just, they just stink. Or are we loving that person no matter what? We're going to love people no matter what. We've had people leave this church because we love people that they think are unlovely. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because you're valuable. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're valuable. You are valuable. You make a difference. You matter to us. You matter to us. You matter to us. Never will we turn you away and say that you're not lovely. In fact, just the opposite. We want you to fulfill every plan and purpose and destiny that God has for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, today we're just asking you just to help us shift into your love, into your goodness, into your grace. God, if we've been like the Pharisee, forgive us where we've been judgmental, where we've looked down at somebody, anybody, everybody. Bring us to the place where we can be like the tax collector and say, God, here I am. Here I am. I'm a mess. Here I am. I'm, I'm a mess today. And Lord, I know that you will shine your love upon us and you will cleanse us and set us in high places, seat us with you in high places. But God, if there's anybody here that can say, I'm a mess today and say, look, my life is a mess. And it's a mess because they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. That today is the day of salvation. 
If you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, if you're here today and say, this, that's me, I'm just going to ask you just a moment just to, just to lift your hand up. If you're here today and you might say, you know what, Pastor, I've just been kind of slipping away from the things of God. I need to get back into what he has for me. I need to get, step into this thing called grace because this law has held me back. I thought I wasn't worthy to come. I thought I wasn't able. I didn't know if people would accept me. I thought I was going to be rejected. I've been rejected by other churches and other places and other people and other circumstances. But I want to step into this. If that's you today, we're going to ask you just to slip your hand up today. If you're here today, we just want to pray for you. Every eye closed, every, every head bowed. Not just a religious act here. Just to get you serious with the things of God. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm just asking you to slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. 